I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Dwell, a Circe Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms. My name is Karen Curran and I'm here with my co-host Renee Mathis. Hi, Renee. Hello, Karen. I know this is a big day for the Kern family. Why don't you it tell sure them? is. Yeah, we had a new baby granddaughter born at 2 a.m. to Matt and Renee, and we're just so thrilled. She's beautiful, of course, and we're just excited. Congratulations. And we're also a little bit tired because I kept reading the text till well after three, but yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. That's right. Anyways, we do have a guest today. And before I introduce our guest and our topic, I'm going to tell you about um, a sponsor that we have for this episode. And that is Reformation Bible College. And they have a preview, a winter preview weekend coming up. Reformation Bible College is a community of dedicated mentors and students who believe that theological education and discipleship go hand in hand. Whether attending a weekly chapel service, catching up with a neighbor in the on-campus residence hall, or meeting with a professor at the cafe, an RBC education provides students with plenty of opportunities to take the biblical truth learned in the classroom and put it into daily practice. Want to see if RBC is the right college for you? Register today at the Winter Preview Weekend on January 18 to 19, where you'll have the opportunity to meet RBC's president, learn about the academic programs, tour the beautiful campus, and ask the admissions team any questions you might have. As a preview weekend guest, you'll also receive free admission to League Inner Ministries 2024 Winter Conference, We Believe, on January 19 to 20, 2024. Hosted together with RBC, this conference will address the importance of creeds and confessions of faith and consider how doctrine is essential to the Christian life. If you'd like to experience what life is like at RBC, register for preview weekend by visiting reformationbiblecollege.org slash preview day or contact admissions at reformationbiblecollege.org for more information. So take advantage of that and check out RBC. And here we are today with Greg Wilbur. And Greg, you might know, is the founder of New College Franklin 
who he focuses there on the classics, the seven level arts, and the spiritual formation of their students. Uh, Greg has a master in, in music composition and is the author of Glory and Honor, The Music and Legacy of Johann Sebastian Bach. He's a composer, a speaker at classical conferences, the Circe Institute, and all that we do, and he's a friend, and I'm happy to have him here today. He lives in Tennessee with his wife, Sophie, and his daughter, Eleanor. So, hello, Greg. Hi, Karen. And Hi, Renee. It's a pleasure to be here. Karen, congratulations. Oh, thank on you. Another grandchild, yes. I'm excited. That's so wonderful. Yeah. So um, Advent Nativity is is coming very close. And so today you're going to talk to us a little bit about the carols of Advent and the carols of Nativity. So you want to just jump right in with the topic? Sure. That'd be great. I, I think it, one thing that um, uh, may be new to some folks uh, and, and is, was new to me over the years as well, this is not how I grew up, uh, but aspects of the church calendar and kind of the wisdom of what it means to walk through the seasons of the church calendar that help us walk through the life of Christ. And uh, traditionally speaking, the, the beginning of the church year is with Advent, and uh, that leads then to Christmas, the 12 days of Christmas and Epiphany. Uh, but there's a distinction that was made between uh, the purpose of Advent and then the celebration of Christmas, Advent being a time of preparation for the coming of Christ, uh, but also an anticipation of and looking forward to the second coming of Christ. And so as, as such, there's, there's a whole body of, of carols and hymns that are, are Advent-focused as opposed to um, strictly Christmas. Uh, so things like, you know, Joy to the World, Angels We Have Heard on High, Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, Silent Night, uh, those are uh, beautiful texts which are centered specifically around the Incarnation, the Nativity of Christ. Uh, but then there are another body of works that uh, that lead us to that point. And uh, those are lesser known because they're not maybe as, um, uh, as as well known or utilized as such, but they're so rich in their text. And what theologically in terms of the anticipation of Christ, the need for a Savior, uh, as well as the uh, looking forward to the second coming, it, it's a to be able to sing these or read these even as poetry, there's some beautiful uh, text here that can help lead us through this season. <clears throat> can you, um, so the the title, the carols that you mentioned, Joy to mm -hmm. the World, Silent Night, Hark the Angels Sing, those clearly everybody knows, right? And right. as you said, the Advent ones are less known. <clears throat> what are some of those titles? Of those All right, titles? so... One, one would be O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which is fairly well known. Um, but what most people may not realize, too, is how, um, how historic the roots of that particular carol are. Um, there's what's known as the O antiphons, because each of these antiphons begin with the word O. And the antiphon would be, would be the part of music which is sung, chanted in the Vesper services before singing the Magnificat, Mary's song. One of the songs that actually comes from scripture, a canticle. Um, but there was a different one for each day leading up to, to Christmas Day itself. So, for example, on uh, December 16th, uh, the, the antiphon, the, the verse that would be sung before singing the Magnificat, would be, O Wisdom, uh, which camest out of the mouth of the Most High and reaches from one end to another, mightily and sweetly ordering all things, come and teach us the way of prudence. And then the following day was, O Adonai, and leader of the house of Israel. The next day, the 18th, was, O root of Jesse. And if you know O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, you can recognize these are some of the verses 
uh, the following day, December 19th, O key of David and scepter of the house of Israel, that openest and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. Uh, the following day, O day spring, brightness of light everlasting. So these texts would be uh, sung successively, uh, successive days, the December 21st, O king of the nations and their desire, the cornerstone who make us both one, come and save mankind from that formest of clay. So that longing, that sense of, you know, of, of, of desire, the waiting and the hope of the expectation. The following days, O Emmanuel, our king and law giver, the desire of all nations and their salvation, come and save us, O Lord our God. So this, this would be this preparation and movement then towards the celebration of Christmas. Uh, and this one, like I said, is preserved. These, these, are, these are from the 6th or 7th century. So they're, they're early in terms of the, the life of the church, uh, but they would have been utilized uh, the successive days, but then were encapsulated in the hymn, O Come and Come Emmanuel. So we still have a vestige of that, but it's, uh, it has a different, uh, different connotation. It's, it's remembering of the prophecies, uh, how Christ has come to fulfill those, uh, in the uh, um, the temporal sense of being born, um, but also in the ultimate sense of, of coming in the second coming in the glory that uh, uh, of the glorification of Christ and of us in in being received into heaven. So you have both of those first and second comings intertwined. So, Greg, um, speaking of someone who does not have anywhere near your musical knowledge, <laughs> let me just recap. So, an antiphon is not a hymn. But it was mm-hmm. something that was sung before, therefore, correct the A-N-T prefix, I'm guessing, meaning before. Um, but so these are not going to be in my Trinity hymnal in the pew Sunday morning. <laughs> that is correct. So where do we find this? Yes. So there are uh, there are versions of these in terms of chant form. I've done these with uh, students when I was teaching high school years ago, uh, teaching various ones of these and then singing, Oh, come, come, your annual. So you've got the precursor. And then... Um, uh, the fullness of the of how it was versified in the more common common way that we know. So, is this something like we can find on Spotify to listen to, or? Um... That's an excellent question. Um, I, I I don't know. I'm sure there is a version out there of these uh, that uh, would be available. I, I, w- I should do my research on that one. Um, I've just I don't remember where I first read or heard of these, but I've had them in. Uh, uh, utilize them, like I said, in various times over the years. But I love that the added history. But I'm sure there's a recording of this as well. But it, it's chant as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. oh, wisdom which came out of the mouth of the Most High, etc. So it's, it's that chanter leading into then the the the, the Mary song, which would be sung by by all. So these would have been, you're talking about in the 6th and 7th century, these would have been in the West in the Catholic Church. And mm-hmm. then um, did they continue in the Anglican tradition? Are they still being sung in, in Anglican traditions in churches in England? Or well, yeah. yeah, go on. Yeah, well, part of, this is, of course, we're talking about an era too. I mean, like, as I mentioned, uh, these are day by day. So it's the 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th. I mean, every day there's a different one. Mm-hmm. And uh, even in a lot of the, the higher church traditions, we no longer have the idea of a daily service in which people are gathered together. And so there's not it's like one of those things that uh, theologically and liturgically has has uh, fallen a bit by the wayside just because we don't have the same kind of structure, typically speaking, within a um, an ecclesiastical setting, unless it's a monastery or unless it's uh, you know, a series of services leading up to the incarnation. So we don't really have exactly the, the opportunity to sing them as they would have been sung in that regard. 
So what, what this reminds me of, because um, I'm always thinking about connections to books, is there's a book of poetry by Malcolm Geit called Waiting on the Word. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. And, yes. And he yes. has structured his poems. Oh, wisdom. I think Oh, wisdom is one of the first ones. And then Oh, whatever the ones that you listed. And so um, what a neat um, companion that would be to be able to listen and hear the sung version and then I'll maybe even use his poetry. Um for a personal devotion yes. or family devotion. Um, I could see those going really well together. Uh, I heard another podcaster say not too long ago that we, we've kind of lost the art of waiting and anticipating in our mm. culture because we, we want it all right now. And so just, just the practice of Advent and thinking about it, that anticipation, right? That, that right. You know, we're not going to get Christmas presents all the month of December, we're going to wait till the 25th. Or, or maybe you have that little one on the advent calendar every day as a reminder, there's something better coming, right? So, Well, there's an interesting, you know, you, you bring up the point that, you know, there are things that we've lost in terms of the life of the church and in practice um, because we don't have the, 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 you know, ecclesiastical structure in the same kind of way. We don't have yeah, because we don't have services throughout or or celebrate the season of Christmas, Christmas has moved earlier. And so we we sing Christmas carols right after Thanksgiving or before, you know. And I think one of the things that, uh, um, that's been really fun to see over the years, too, how much, uh, how much uh, moms are incorporating some of these traditions back within the home. So preparing their families for... Uh, for Christmas and through Advent, whether that's you know having an, uh, Advent readings and Advent candles at home and and doing things that you can do because you do see each other every day mostly, depending on how old your kids are. But there's there's that daily practice that you can have, uh, anticipating of and moving towards moving towards the incarnation that we we don't have quite in the same kind of uh, uh, church sense as we used to. It, it seems to me that in our culture now, everybody is celebrating Christmas you know, in the United States, starting with Thanksgiving, celebrating a lot, you know, parties all the time and doing all the things. By the time Christmas comes, they're exhausted. And then the day after Christmas, everybody's taking down their tree and putting Christmas away and kind of feeling depressed. Instead of spending, you know, the whole month of December up to that, just looking forward to it. Like, And and I'm not saying, you know, go to parties, you you know, but but it's a different (laughs) mindset, you know? Right. Like well, I think, or well, and even the sense. I mean, how? I mean, this is true for a lot of things that we anticipate and look forward to. Once it's over, there can be a bit of a emotional letdown. You know, all the all the focus that you put into um, into that into that day, because if we look at it mostly as a day. Then, when the presents are open and the the wrapping papers on the floor, it's like, what's next? You know. Now this has passed. Either we're like, okay, what's the next thing, or we have that sense of a letdown. You know, and I think part of the wisdom of that is that you is that you continue to move in that for the for the next twelve days into Epiphany, and you know the recognition of the gifts that the wise men brought, that Christ is for all the all the world. You get somewhat the same thing um, with post Easter as well. That you know Easter, I think from a theological sense as well that that. Um, the work of Christ is not finished with the resurrection, it's ascension. And so you have this season of Easter. I mean, anticipation, once again, Lent and Advent are very much tied together in terms of preparation. But you have this preparation for Easter, 
and uh, rejoicing in the resurrection, but then it continues into to the ascension and the final uh, of Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father. And I think there's a, there's a there's almost a psychological uh, emotional wisdom of that, being able to walk through that and not just um, uh, in an isolated sense. All right. Well, tell us more. Well, uh, one of my favorites uh, from um, of, of Advent carols is one that's called "Savior of the Nations Come." Uh, this was written by Ambrose of Milan uh, sometime in the in the late three hundreds, um, and it's it's uh, Ambrose was known as the as the father of hymnody in the West. He he took practices from from the East in terms of psalm singing and of hymnody and brought those to his people in Milan. He's a fascinating character as well, just in terms of the way that he taught his um, taught his congregants theology, but also protected them. Uh, from uh, from various forces against them, with the uh, theologically, but also um, politically, and uh, actually stood down one of the emperors and wouldn't let him into the church until he repented of uh, of the ways in which he had uh, um, treated some of his subjects by by killing them off. And so he he stood his ground, and uh, um, but he also wrote many hymns. And uh, one of, the, like I said, one of my favorites is "Savior of the Nations, Come," uh, which is "Savior of the Nations, Come, Virgin Son, make here thy home. Marvel now, O heaven and earth, that the Lord chose such a birth. Not of flesh and blood, the Son, offspring of the Holy One, born of Mary, ever blessed. God in flesh is manifest." So you you've got that uh, um, one, a little bit farther down. One of the verses is from the Father forth he came and returneth to the same, captive leading death and hell. High the song of triumph swell. So you have that aspect in a lot of these Advent hymns. It, it's not just concentrating on on uh, the baby Jesus in the manger, um, but the, what God, what Christ came to do, and returning to God the Father in the completed work of Christ. So you've got that the full redemptive uh, aspect of the story and the anticipation uh, anticipation of His return. So this was a chant. I mean, it was, would have been chanted. Um, it's a whole tradition of Ambrosian chant. That's a, a whole other kind of conversation. And we kind of lump things together as being Gregorian chant after after Gregory uh, the Great. Uh, but there are actually different traditions, uh, whether it's Gregory or Ambrose or Serum chant from England or uh, Carolinian, et cetera, that have slight variations. But there's a whole, whole tradition of chant based on Ambrose's work. And this would be one of those that's in that, in that vein. Uh, a friend of mine recently... Um, a few years back, took the chant and uh, um, uh, changed the rhythm slightly to keep, make it more metrical, and uh, used that in his congregation in uh, um, in Washington State. And well, that's one that we've sung for the last several years, and our congregation loves it. It's because the words are great, the melody is beautiful, and uh, it's, a, it's a glorious thing. The last verse is "Praise to God, the Father sing; praise to God, the Son, our King." Praise to God, the Spirit be ever and eternally. So you've got this the whole complete doxological element at the end. It's a beautiful expression of the faith in, uh, in what is an Advent carol. And what's the name of that one? Savior of the Nations Come. Okay, and that that arrangement that you're talking about that, that was retooled a little. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, uh, Ross Halk is uh, is the person who did that, and uh, I believe he's online. Um, I can believe I can find a link to that as well. Okay. We can post that on our Facebook group page. If you want to send it to me, I'll send it. Sure. Yes. That would be great. <clears throat> well, one of the um, 
fun things about Christmas uh, while we're thinking about spending time with our families and and, and all the fun things we're going to do, including probably buying Christmas gifts for our kids, um, brings me to um, one of our new sponsors for the Dwell podcast. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about Inquisicook. Are you searching for hands-on activities that explore the practical side of science? Look no further than your kitchen. Inquisicook blends food science and culinary arts into an engaging program that puts delicious food on the family table. Let Inquisicook do the teaching with lesson videos that speak to the student in a friendly, conversational tone. Their online platform is easy to navigate and optimized for mobile, so the learning experience can move from the classroom to the kitchen without a hitch. They provide the recipes, instruction sheets, and student forms for every lesson, so there are no books to buy. And their instructor resources make assessing student progress a piece of cake, even for the busiest parents. Inquisicook was created by homeschoolers for homeschoolers, and they're passionate about turning curious students into intuitive cooks, not just recipe followers. Say goodbye to the tyranny of the ingredients list and say hello to utilizing what's in season, what's on sale, or what's in the fridge. Visit inquisicook.com to view sample lessons, then check out the recipe gallery to see just how crave-worthy science can be. I'm going to spell that one for you. I-N-Q-U-I-S-I-C-O-O-K.com. Thanks. That sounds fun. That sounds like something you would have liked or would have made. It does. I think, I think that that ad was right up my alley. So I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so it, I have a question. It seems like what we typically know as car- Christmas carols, what we hear playing at Hobby Lobby in the background, you know, um, what we, you know, on, on are all the um, albums are made up of Christmas carols. They're actually what we, you would call nativity carols. And they are, are would you say that they're mostly um, Victorian aged? You know, were they written in that? that that's, yeah, that's a, that's a astute, yeah, that's an astute observation. A, a lot of those are from, um, from the 1800s or were um, translated in the 1800s such that that's when they first became uh, more well known. I think there's. This is a whole other conversation as well. Uh, who, knew, who knew that Christmas carols could be so you know complex, right? But uh, the, you know, there are different traditions of carols between different different countries. I think we're much more familiar with what would be the English carol tradition, and those are those things that came through um, you know the the mid to late eighteen hundreds. And then you think about um, you know lessons and carols from um, King's College. Um, which started in the early part of the 20th century. And, and so a, a lot of the things that we know in terms of carol tradition are much uh, much more associated with the English style or the English tradition, uh, as opposed to, for example, the German tradition of carols or um, uh, Eastern European or um, uh, the uh, Latin tradition. And and so there's a, there's, some of those were uh, adapted or adopted and, and uh, translated. Um, but even then, they were popularized in English uh, from the English carol tradition. So there's, you know, there's a lot of, the, the, of course, the German carol tradition going back to, uh, um, going back to Martin Luther and 
uh, the the German chorale, things that would, would have been utilized by um, composers such as uh, Heinrich Schutz or uh, certainly Bach used a number of English of, of German carols in his cantatas, and uh, and that's why that's why we know some of those from that from that perspective as well. And those those that uh, like Sleepers Awake and um, uh, the, those Wake Wake for Night Is Flying, um, we or Break Forth O Beauty's Heavenly Light, for example. Have come through the German tradition, but by way of by way of the English. Yeah, so like like you said, like a lot of these have much uh, much deeper roots in terms of of, of um, Ambrose from the three hundreds or the sixth and seventh century. Um, of the Father's Love Begotten, which is one of my favorite uh, what songs. Was that again? Of, this, that again? of the Father's Love Begotten. I'm just writing. Uh, but, Who's that? That's, uh, uh, that was by Prudentius, who was who was actually Spanish, uh, and he he lived in uh, uh, mid three hundreds to uh, died around four thirteen. Hmm. I'm just wondering why I don't know all this. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am what? at my age. I don't know. Well, it's one of those things. We it, it's uh, a lot of that is pragmatic too. I think there's there's um, we have our favorites. And I think there's an aspect of of this time of year that we gravitate towards those things with which we grew up, those things which are meaningful to us and our family, and uh, which is certainly appropriate. Um, mm-hmm. But because of that too, we've lost some of these other uh, some of these other elements. Uh, I, one of the one of the fun things getting to plan plan worship uh, every week at our church, uh, and we have um, um, we sing about twelve songs a week in terms of various responses and uh, and, and hymns to the service and communion, uh, but that gives us even more slots to be able to sing the favorites, but also introduce uh, older ones that the congregation may not know, and uh, use that as an opportunity to kind of broaden their repertoire of of texts and tunes that they might otherwise have known. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious, Greg, because you write music and you write hymns. Have you written any Christmas music? I'm, I'm going to give you a chance to tell us. <laughs> it just occurred to me, no, written some Christmas carols. No, not really, because uh, there are so many beautiful things out there. I think I, I have done some choral pieces, uh, choral arrangements, or, or or taken older texts that aren't known but should be known. Once again, those have been neglected, whether we know the, the tune or not, and have written choral versions of those. So, for example, the, uh, our choirs this um, uh, this season will be singing a, uh, a Martin Luther text, uh, "All Praise to the Eternal uh, Eternal God," which is a um, which is a Advent Advent text. I also did a setting of Psalm ninety eight, which is a very traditional psalm, but done uh, I did that with antiphon four part chant. So one of the choirs will be leading that. That will teach the, the the congregation the antiphon. But it's one of those things. Is that there's so many so many beautiful pieces out there. Um, it's it's there's already a, a full repertoire. So I, occasionally there's a text that crosses my path that nobody seems to remember, and it's a it's a joy to bring that back to life in some form or another. But um, there's a, there's plenty of other beautiful things out there. I'm going to look up some of these and just, you know, even if I can't find them recorded, just to have them as poetry. Mm-hmm. I think it would be really enriching to, yes. to find those. Yeah. 
Well, and you begin to see too, I mean, there's various themes that show up in these. For example, there's a lot of connection to um, uh, the triumphal entry. So you know, when Carol, uh, uh, German Carol, oh, how shall I receive thee? One of the verses begins, you know, thy Zion palms is strewing and branches fresh and fair. You know, the, the connection to Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem before the Passion being linked to his second coming. Um, or um, uh, lo, he comes with clouds descending, which is a beautiful hymn. Um, especially there's, there's a, going back to King's College, uh, the arrangement that they have with two choirs at the end is just, I'm getting chills talking about it, it is just glorious, especially within a, um, uh, a, a resonant space. And, and there are texts in there, um, you know, every eye shall now behold him robed in dreadful majesty. Those who said it not and sold him pierced and nailed him to the tree, uh, deeply wailing shall the true Messiah see, leading then into now redemption long expected, see in solemn, a solemn pomp appear. So it's that longing for redemption, but not just the incarnation, but looking towards the second coming. And it's a beautiful thing. The other thing that you see again and again is, is um, uh, yeah, um, the parable of the virgins of those who waited for uh, the bridegroom and those who were prepared and waiting for the bridegroom and those who were not. So there's a number of texts uh, which are associated around those particular particular readings. In fact, that's one of the gospel readings, I believe, for the uh, the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, that particular particular parable. So once again, linking in Advent, uh, preparation for the coming of Christ, anticipation of the coming of Christ, his first coming and his second coming, but then having the the musical and theological support that emphasizes those themes uh, within the singing of the congregation. Those things go hand in hand, or used to go hand in hand in that regard. That's such a beautiful explanation because I, it, it kind of helps center us. I mean, not that it's all about us, but we look backwards, of course, to when Christ came in the incarnation the first time. But yet it, it reminds us that we're we're not done yet, right? There's something else coming and right. forward. And and we're we're blessed providentially to be in the middle of that. And so yes. and just to sing about that with God's people, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, what a joy. I mean, that, well, it places us, right? You know, yeah, <laughs> where, where we've come from and where we're going. You know, it, it gives us that that uh, that orientation of, of of where we're living lives and and God's leading it, and um, and to be able to emphasize that through you know the timing of the year and the songs that we're singing and the, those remembrances. It's a it's a uh, it's substantial and significant, beautiful thing. Hmm. Are there are there hymns? We mentioned Advent. We mentioned you know the Christmas Carol. Are there is there such a thing as an epiphany hymn or or, or music? There are. There are. You know, it's one of the things that I was thinking through some specifics too. Um, there are so many things that, that we put in the category of Christmas Carol or or you know, which you know this whole period of time uh, that are so um, much more narrative than they are um, theological. You know, they talk about what's happening. You know, in terms of angels coming to the shepherds or the wise men coming but i mean the the, the first ones that come to mind are things like uh, um, as with glad as men of old and of course we three kings of orient are is, is another one for for epiphany um epiphany being aspects of light um the um the the third verse of uh, of um what child is this so bring him incense golden myrrh um 
which often, which is going back to hymnals and things, sometimes hymnals will truncate the chorus on that, the last two lines, and just go with the, the words from the first verse and miss, like the middle verses, nails, spears, shall pierce him through, the cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh. Um, and, and so there's that, the, that element as well. It's not just, you know, the, the cute nativity scene. One, one of my favorite epiphany is, uh, is a song from uh, the, the Greek church that uh, John Brownlee translated called The King Shall Come When Morning Dawns. Um, also, uh, triumphal entry language, but it has all that light aspect that we associate with the, the season of Epiphany and that Christ is coming for all, all the world uh, in his second coming uh, and, and has come for the world his first coming you know, as well. The King shall come when morning dawns and light and triumph breaks when beauty gilds the eastern hills and life to joy awakes. Not as of old, a little child to bear and fight and die, but crowned with glory like the sun that lights the morning sky. And there's many other verses. What is that called? The king shall come when morning dawns. Mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. It is. That's one of my favorites. A haunting melody as well. Is that one that is easy to find? Like if I looked for that somewhere when, somewhere <laughs> you know that's a, again that's a great question i mean I, I haven't actually looked for these because i just do them and so uh that's a great question i'm, I'm really curious now that. <laughs> but, yeah because if, if these aren't if these aren't available I, I maybe i have another you know maybe i have another recording project in mind because uh, some of these are yeah. just <laughs> Some of these are just glorious hymns, and like you said, Karen, the text, even even without singing them, uh, to, to meditate on the on the text as poetry, as as um, um, as reflective text, and for the season, is a beautiful thing to be able to do. And we are launching a new Kickstarter, and by this time next Christmas, we're going to record a whole month worth of <laughs> Christmas and, and Epiphany hymns and, and, and songs. That would be great. <laughs> And I think people are looking, people, you know, I, as you said earlier, I think that we're kind of getting back into this idea of following a church calendar and understanding what Advent is. And so maybe we would just really need a resource like what you could create for <laughs> families to play and to talk about, to listen to together, because it's not really in most churches. It's right. It's not a few dressed or, you know, use. Well, thank you. Thank you, Greg, for taking the time to, uh, to be with us today and to share your vast knowledge when it comes to all things musical, but especially for this time of year. Um, I know our listeners are going to be really blessed to to have some resources, some things that they can look for and, and look to, because these words are so rich. They're they're beautiful. And, and to combine the beautiful words and the beautiful music um, in a time when we are truly celebrating and being joyful is going to add to that. So thank you again. We appreciate you and wish you the best. And um, My pleasure. Thank you so much. It's such a joy. Sure, here's to home. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.